Hey guys, welcome to our newest episode of Untucked. Today we are going to talk about timing the market, how difficult it is, and what a great illustration 2023 has been um, in kind of proving that difficulty. And then we're going to talk about parents and the sacrifices or compromises they should consider making for their kids, um, or maybe they should consider not making. Thanks for listening. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own, and they do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to episode 92 of Untucked. This is Megan. And it's Mike. This is Jeff. Meg, you may not be able to relate to this one, but are you both familiar with the movie Return of the Jedi? Familiar as in... Star Wars. I've seen it or I've heard of it. Let's say, for you, heard of it, I would say. yes. This is the third of the trilogy that was the actual, like, original trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, familiar. Yeah, yeah. The word Ewok Mm -hmm. isn't mentioned in the film nor is any Ewok called by their first name. Hmm. No individual Ewok is referenced by name. And the word Ewok isn't used at all. Okay, but it's... Do think about that. How did we know they were Ewoks? I don't know. I mean, aren't there like screenplays or books or something that are based on? I don't know, but like the end credits list Ewoks and like some of their names and the rest are just like called Ewoks. And then like somebody watched the end credits, told somebody else, oh yeah, they were Ewoks and then everybody knew they were called Ewoks. What are the Ewoks? The little furry things in the in the forest. You don't right? remember the Ewoks, Meg? <laughs> this guy, he was the most furry famous things. Ewok. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're cute. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was blown away by that fact. Have they been... Referred to as Ewoks since? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. They so were it like wasn't a, just a made-up word. It came from somewhere. They were a main staple in the movie. Like, main. But just not by the title. No Ewoks. one called them like, oh, there, there are the Ewoks over there, Leia. <laughs> <laughs> no one said that in the movie. Uh, yeah, well, I can see why they wouldn't say that. <laughs> All right. Okay. Where do we want to start with sports? I guess we got the birdies at 10 and 1. Yeah. Yeah. In the thick of a difficult part of their schedule and doing really well from wins and loss standpoint. Yeah. I mean, this was this, the part of the schedule where they were supposed to be like losing. Yeah. And they're not. Yeah. So they beat Miami. Then they beat Dallas. Then they beat. Kansas City. Kansas City. Then Buffalo. Then Buffalo. And they and got the Niners. Niners. Yeah. This weekend. So what is your take on the Niners this weekend? Let me just for reference, because the narrative right now is we're, we're getting. On Sports Talk Radio. Yeah, is that uh, the Eagles are getting disrespected. Because they're, they're, they're a three-point underdog at home against the 49ers. Weren't they an underdog to the Bills too? The Eagles are 10-1. and one, They're the best team in football. The Niners are 8-3 and three, traveling across country to play us in our stadium. And the birds are underdogs. They're getting three points. You know what that line tells me, guys? I think the birds lose by two touchdowns. 
I think the birds lose by two touchdowns. Oh. Vegas is saying the birds are underdogs. I think they're trying to get everyone to put money on the birds. Like, oh my God, it's a no-brainer. We're getting three points? No, that's not how... First of all, Vegas doesn't predict anything. They are literally just the... the Moving the money. It's, it's equal on either side of the betting, and they are just in the middle, and the line is the line based on what the collective people are, are betting. That's... That's it. So it doesn't. I hate when Howard Eskin is is one of these guys who. Well, this line tells me that uh, it's going to be like, like what Jeff just what said. the outcome <laughs> of the game is going to be. No, the 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 actual money being bet currently is saying that most people think that three points is the correct spread. Gotcha. And maybe it is. You know what the line tells me? What birds are going to lose by two touchdowns. <laughs> Well, you just said that they're the best team in, in football. By record, sure. Arguably, the Niners are... But the line tells me that the Niners are a better team right now. The Niners have blown people out. Mm-hmm. Like, flat-out blown people out. Um, they have, one, like, 30-7, 30 30-23, 30-12, 35-16, 42-10, 19-17, 22-17, 31-17. 34, their last three games, 34-3 against the Jags. 27-14 against the Bucks, 31-13 against the Seahawks. The Eagles haven't flattened anybody. No. They haven't rolled anybody. So that's my concern is they just had two really tough games, Kansas City, Buffalo. Like they they got a bunch of guys banged up. Dallas Goddard, Lane Johnson, Cunningham. Like all these guys yeah. are probably not going to play. Yeah, that's probably part of it. And you have to you have to feel like they've experienced They've they've used a lot of freaking mental and physical energy the last two three weeks, man. Yeah, but, but I wouldn't be shocked if they got rolled. No, I wouldn't either. But I think that I I would rather have the Eagles dealing with like I would rather that them not have blown everybody out like San Francisco is. Like this is good for them. Yeah. Come other than the injury thing, it's good for them. I think being in games where they have to either come from behind or grind it out. I, I don't know. I think so. I agree that there's been a lot of physical and mental, you know, shit they've had to deal with. But, like, the last couple of seasons, the Niners have become, like, a pretty big rivalry. Like the it's huge. The shit talking among the two fan bases, among the teams. I mean, remember, like, they made all of these excuses about why the Birds beat them last year because they were starting their third-string quarterback or whatever. Like, I, I just feel like despite all of the other stuff, injuries the the tough schedule they've had leading up to this that there's a lot of internal motivation for both teams yeah yeah Yeah. but i mean like to to have then the added layer of being the underdogs at home like i just kind of feel like that's that maybe gives the birds a little bit of a of an edge i think the birds should rest all their starters (laughs) like i don't think they should even play why why not? Like, all these guys are banged up. You want to go out and get into another freaking war with the Niners uh, who we're going to have to play in the NFC Championship game? Yeah, because well, you got to. You, you got to. You got to do everything you can to get home field because I know. you're now one game apart in your in your scenario where. They're 10 and 1 versus 8 and 3. Right, so which would be 9, nine and, three, and 3, 10, 10 and, and 2. And, and if then they we tie. Lose, and then if we lose to the Cowboys then we're, and they win, and they then win we're tied. But then we have the Seahawks. The Giants, the Cardinals, and the Giants. They lost to the Jets. They can lose to yeah, anyone. And the Seahawks aren't bad. The Seahawks shouldn't be in the same conversation as the Giants. I just the- don't. Like, I think the Eagles, 
out of those remaining four games, they're going to win three of them, even if they play their freaking backups. Yeah. So I'm not concerned. Like, I guess I'm just not as concerned about getting the number one seed. I think they're going to get it. I feel pretty confident that the birds get the number one seed. And to have these guys who are like banged up, like I don't want Lane Johnson to play. I don't want Dallas yeah. Goddard to come back early just to play in this game. It does to me. It doesn't mean anything. I know it does. Yeah, yeah. And I know, like I, I'm not, I'm not on the field, right? I'm not the competitor. Those guys want to freaking play, like yeah. you just said. They want to go out there and beat the living daylights out of the San Francisco forty freaking whiners, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so All your right. predictions? Birds Niners four thirty on Sunday. I I am I'm with you. I think Niners win by ten. Okay. You, Maggie, you got your Eagles green on today. I'm gonna go birds. <laughs> um close game though, just a touchdown. Birds win by by a tutty. Yeah. All right. They lose by fourteen. <laughs> well, I'll be there. You're going? Nice. Yet again. <laughs> <laughs> you go to every I'm the least economic season ticket holder <laughs> in the stadium for sure. Meg, we're probably what like a quarter into the um, into the Sixers schedule. Maybe not that much. Not that much. Yeah, um, they're like twelve and I don't know, twelve and five, twelve and six. Um, can like have have had a nice start to the season for a couple of different reasons. Um, Kelly Oubre, who they signed on a vet minimum deal, was awesome, and then got hit by a car in a wild turn of events. Um, broke a rib, so is trying to come back, which has been a setback. Um, Joe's playing well. Tyrese Maxey's making what looks like to be another leap, which is awesome. Um, I am personally very excited about the way that Nick Nurse has things going again early but offense looks good there's more movement in whatever 20 games than there was with Doc in three seasons um so yeah I think optimistic how the fly guys doing uh not a lot to say here a quarter of the way through the season they're right around 500 probably where you would expect and also, I'd say just it's it's becoming clear that you know they're 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 trying hard. The efforts there, they work hard. They're not going through the motions. They are just overwhelmingly outskilled. Tell me how they beat the Golden Knights. Then was that just well? Like I mean, did the Knights have like somebody like a couple players not playing? No, no. I mean it's it's you know it's eighty games. You're gonna have games where you beat a, a good team and games where you lose to a terrible team but overall they're you know they played Carolina the other night Carolina's got really skilled players and they were just overall owning them the Flyers power plays I think the worst in the league okay and that's a testament to the fact that they just don't have the weapons um and that could be their that could be their full-on demise throughout the course of the year because if they can't fix that you can't be like five percent on the power play. You should be like twenty. Who is our good. stud offensive? Like who's our stud Connectney. forward? Connectney's our best. Connectney's our best forward. And he's good. I mean, any team would love to have him. He's he's good. He's yeah, got sure. Like 12 but like, goals. is he like a Giroux in his prime, or better, or different worse? player, but can produce, um, can make plays. He's he's an agitator. You know, he's got 
He's a good player. Everyone everyone likes him. He's an agitator. I kind (laughs) of love that. I love that description. He's, um, they just don't have enough of the other players who were hoping, like they were hoping to make a step that so far they kind of haven't. Okay. um, Production wise and and everything else. So, but I mean, they do have some high end skill in their system that within a couple years should make this a whole different team. Okay. So you're such a hockey guy. Maybe we add to the sports talk like a, a Bedard watch. A Bedard watch. Are you like all tuned in on Bedard? Yeah, yeah. I, I watch him whenever I can. He's like. He's the real he, deal. He's the real deal. He's yeah. generational. All right. Do you want to get into it? Sure. sure. Let's do it. So for Coach's Corner today, uh, we're going to discuss an article, Why Market Timing Doesn't Work. S&P 500 is up 14% this year, but just eight days explain the gains. Um, This is from CNBC. Um, And we talk about this topic often, the difficulty in timing the market, and we'll do so again today. The performance of the S&P year-to-date is a good illustration and great reminder of how hard it is to get in and out of the market without missing critical trading days, resulting in permanent losses. I just just thought it it illustrates very well why you have to be invested. I mean, literally, the the, the S&P at that moment that article was written was up about 14%. Eight days, they averaged around 2% a day that it was up. Obviously, that's where we get the 14 from. But that's it. I mean, there's the majority of the positive return in the markets were on on the S&P, were on those days. You have to be invested to get those returns. And if you try to move out when it's down and then move, or I'm sorry, move out when it's up and then move back in when it's down, it's 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 impossible to do it consistently. You might get lucky once, but there's no way that you can do it consistently. And I just find the argument like I find it irrefutable that you can that you can do it. You have to be right twice <clears throat> consistently is the thing. And that's what is to me about this article that that's the thing that's the most important is that you have to be right twice. Way more often than you're you're wrong twice and you have to be right based upon what based upon some bit of information that only you possess that that (laughs) only you put but like let's i'm i hate investing jargon but like get like give me any kind of like like pe ratio right let's say you're using the pe ratio of whatever does does the s&p 500 have a pe ratio yeah okay so you're using the pe ratio of the s&p 500 to help predict whether you think it's going to go up or down. That's not the only variable that determines whether the market goes up or down. So how can you possibly tell me that you can successfully time the market based on whatever you've created? I'll tell you, it's lack of awareness of how the global investing world works. It, it, it's hubris or it's, an, a, it's a belief that I have some insight, right? Whether it's, so there's two ways that you time it. You either stock pick, get in and out of stocks based on looking at their valuation or where you think it's going or not going, or there's sector or asset class picking based on like, let's say uh, I think international is undervalued and I'm good. That's kind of mostly it. And for anyone to think they have special insight that the rest of the world doesn't have is just 
incredibly naive to me. It's incredibly naive. That, that's well, if all. you have that insight, it's illegal to use it. To, to... No, no, no. You, if, well, you... Insight is not illegal. Insight but, information. Yes. <laughs> I mean insight that, that the collective, like the, the collective opinion on anything presidential elections they have markets where they have you know odds and probabilities of what's going to happen who's going to win the oscars they have that that is accurate like that is actually accurate and and, and it, it represents like at that point in time what is likely most likely the right price it's never the right price because markets change and move because new information comes in but why do you think you're special enough to have that information that no one else has everything is priced in already doesn't mean that, and I think that the challenge is that you look at people look at this every day and they're like, oh my God, the market was, you know, made a big move or a big, big move down. And I mean, how could we not have seen this coming, right? Or how could we not, so, not have capitalized on this? And it's counterintuitive for a lot of people to think that you have to ignore that and stay invested to your point to capture longer term returns that the market gives you. That's, that's it. That's the, the, that's the entire game. So I want to make a comment, but I would like you to like explain one thing that you said, because I hear it a lot. And if you can explain it well, that'd be awesome. Um, it's already priced in. Like you hear everybody say like the market has already priced that in. Like, what does that mean? Um, let's see if I can even remember the point I wanted to make after what you just said, which I can't. So why don't you just <laughs> like when people say it's already priced in, what do you mean by that? So somebody may say, hey, <laughs> I hear interest rates are going to get, they're going to get uh, hiked at next uh, Fed meeting. I think that means we ought to do X, Y, or Z. Oh, so you're the only one that is expecting interest rates to, to, to be hiked. Like that information is out there. It's known and, and the expectations of what's going to happen or not are all priced in. So assets are bought and sold collectively again in response to expectations of economic data, um, you know, interest rate moves, you know, war outbreaks, whatever Policy, it might right? be. I, it, it's all in there. Um, when does it like, so this is a stupid question, but like, when does it get priced in? As soon as it's, as soon as it's available. As soon as it's available. As soon as the information becomes known. Yeah. To the general public. Yes. Like J&J &J gets the approval to create a uh, vaccine for COVID-19. Boom, that day, like it's already priced in. Yeah, that morning. Or like you might say, not see a pop, or you may. Right. You may see a $2 pop. But then like three months later, when the rest of the world finally comes around to like, oh my God. Like I remember meeting with clients, like during the pandemic, like a year later, I'm buying J&J &J because yeah. they they make the vaccine and they're going to kill it. Like, dude, that, that already happened. I think another important thing that people don't talk about much is, and I, re I heard this once and it's so, it's so true. If somebody said to anybody, hey, five years from now, interest rates are going to be here. GDP is going to be here. Um, PE ratios, whatever, whatever metric you want, are going to be here. You knew everything that was going to be all the data points five years from now. You still would not be able to like reliably make money on that. Why? Because you do not know the mood, the mood, right? There's general optimism or pessimism amongst the world, the investing world or whomever. That is critical. That piece of information is like more important in many ways than the, the data. It's, it's, it's the directional mood of, of people about 
you know, uh, business formation and, and uh, future prosperity or recession fears and things like that. Like that's, that's impossible to all to, to, if there's too much, there's too much to process and too much unknowables, even if you had actual, or if you were correct in predicting some of the data points. I remember reading those articles yeah. when uh, it, it may have been COVID or it may have been like, I forget the, the, the recession before COVID, but we looked like you're reading an article and it listed like 15 variables. Like if I had told you a year ago, this is what 2020 was going to look like. And this is how all these variables would have been like, would you be invested? And you're like, oh my God, no. Yes. But if could, you missed 2020, point. it was an awesome year for the market. Right. If somebody knew in January of 2020 about yeah. the COVID, uh, how, it, how it all unfolded, they would have sold everything and sat in cash the it's entire time. Cash. The entire time. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, that's the first thing that came to mind for me when I read this article is the examples of some of our clients, unfortunately, who in the early parts of COVID, like that March, April of 2020, like we have to get out. Now, this wasn't a timing because they like knew the asset class that was going to recover fastest or, right, they weren't inclined to get back in. It was timing the out because they didn't want their money to keep going down, right? It was like, how do we stop the bleeding? So I think there's a little bit of another angle to this, which obviously it's you have to get it right twice, right? Get out at an appropriate time and get back in at an appropriate time. But like I continue to come back to those scenarios where people want to get out and how impossible it is to get you back in. Even if you say, right, like I will at this price or I will at this time or I will when this thing settles or this thing becomes more clear or whatever. Like the psychology around convincing someone to get back in, I feel is 25 times more difficult than convincing someone to stay in. Because once they're out, they're out. Like I, I, I don't know how, I agree 100%. how you – how us as humans get back in in a scenario that I'm painting here, right, where it's like the world is ending. We're in the middle of a pandemic. There's no, there's no positive news to come by. Yeah, buying stuff when things are falling apart other than like Warren Buffett might be the one person who's mm-hmm. done it <laughs> really well is so difficult for – just psychologically. Yeah. For She's anyone. absolutely right, yeah. man. Think about the clients that we've met that have been in cash. Getting them to commit to the investment plan is an absolute struggle. Yeah. It's way easier to keep, which is still a struggle, yes. to keep clients yes. invested when the shit's hitting the fan. Yes. I'm not suggesting either are easy. I just think once somebody has made that decision and actually done it, I mean, it's, it's done. Yeah. yeah. When, when you were talking, you were saying like, people want to get in get out and mike you were saying this is the point i wanted to make earlier why why do people feel the need they have to get in and out what is wrong with just staying invested if we know because history has proven if you stay invested your money will be worth more later like it, it it's not more complicated than that obviously the time frame matters no sure. guarantee it'll be worth more three years five years ten years 15 or, well, I think it is a guarantee. 20 years later, it'll be worth more. Are people just so greedy and they just want to make money faster? 
I need to make, and I don't want to miss out. And I think that people are smart and they know how to do it. Why? I I think greed's a possibility. I don't want to say it's not, uh, but I, I, I guess I maybe lean more towards it's just hard to stomach the down. And, you know, it's hard to see your million bucks turn into 800 grand. And like, why, if I could avoid it, why wouldn't I? But how did you get the million bucks? Yeah. No, you're, you're right. Just, like, it's so logical. <laughs> and people struggle understanding it. And stick it, because you know what? It's all emotional. Yeah. It yeah. blows my mind, man. Yeah, well, especially people that watch it frequently, constantly. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. they see something that was worth 100 last week that's now at 90, and they're kicking themselves for not getting yeah. out. And then <laughs> it starts to tempt them to try to do that stuff. I mean, it's like partially the fault of the fact that markets are open yeah. <laughs> five days a week and trading for, you know, six and whatever hours a day, like probably should only be open one day a week. Yeah. <laughs> it we, would make a lot, a lot of people better off. We made a new client this year and he was like, every time I like invest, it goes down. And like, sure enough, like three months after he invested, he was up like, I'll say 10%. I'll make up a number, but a lot, like a good amount of money. And we were having a conversation and I'm like, he, and he brought it up. He's like, so like we're up. (laughs) I'm like, I didn't want to say anything, but yeah, pretty crazy. Not saying you were wrong, but like, yep, markets go up. Sure enough, like a month later, I'm having another conversation with him. (laughs) All the gains were given back and he was down. And he's like, so are we ever going to make money? And I like looked at him like, is that a serious question? Like, do you honestly believe that we're not going to make money over time? Right. Because if you feel that way, just put it all in a money market and get 5%. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and that's that's the, the other point that reminded me of when I, when I read this, which is that the only returns that matter at all are long-term returns. Mm-hmm. But to clients, the only thing that matters is right now. Sometimes, yeah. Most times, right now. Well, new clients right now, yes. And I think, you know, again, the, the new client who maybe is still learning the role that we play, right, which is not to guarantee positive returns, which is not to guarantee you're going to beat them, any of those things. Um, you know, they, they look to us like, what are you doing? Or why aren't we doing something differently? It's like, we're doing exactly what we told you we would. It's just not something that over a 3, 6, 12, 24, 36 month time frame is necessarily going to result in more money. And and are we okay with that? Right. I thought it was a great article. I thought it illustrated. I know to your point that, but and they even mentioned in the article, if you're out, you missed yeah. the down days too. Yeah, and then that, uh, and to that, I think people would say, yeah, I don't care about that stuff because the point is, if I do avoid the down days and I do get the up days, then I'm crushing the market. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Moving on. Sure. Um, So now we'll talk about an article from the joint account blog written by Douglas and Heather Bonaparte. Um, The article is a QA and a style. Um, The title is how do we decide where to invest in our kids or where to invest in ourselves? Douglas and Heather answer a question um, and some of us, oh, a question that some of us see and some of us, the two of you being that uh, personally experience. Um, so how do we think about spending or saving on our kids or where com- where we should compromise 
or prioritize spending and saving on ourselves. So obviously there's layers to this, right? Like we've done a fair amount of talking, I feel like, about education and kind of college specifically, but I don't know if we've really touched on, and you guys have personal experience, like everything else. <laughs> Just the lifestyle to which you, you in which you want to create for your children, um, giving and taking um, with multiple kids, with yourselves, your spouses. It's a lot. I'm a horrible person to talk about this because I know everything I should be doing and I'm doing the exact opposite. What should you be doing? Limiting the activities that we have our kids involved in, especially the expensive ones, but they do them. When you say you should be, why? I, I think it's a waste of money. I think it's a waste of time for the kids. These club sports, obviously, if your kid, if you're gonna drag your kid out of bed to get to practice, you're making a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, even if your kid loves a sport, I just don't think you have to spend so much money. Like, if my kid loves hockey, he'll play hockey every day. He'll go to his club team. He'll go to his high school team. He'll go to uh, private lessons. He'll get skate lessons. He'll go to clinics. And he does that. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but like he does that a lot. And it's a total waste of money. It's a total waste of his time. Go take a hike, man. Go do something that doesn't cost money. Get outdoors. Go spend time with your friends. Now he does that too, but like we just flood our children with we, meaning my wife and I, with money for things that are just meaningless in their lives. I shouldn't say meaningless in their lives, like meaningless in the grand scheme of things. They don't need like to, to, to spend the money on the video games. Like again, get outside and touch some grass. Maybe that's like my bigger beef. It's like just the activities that we get them involved in and the things that they do. Like my kids like to play video games. Let's get them a really nice computer. They, they, they don't need that. Yeah. I wonder if, part of the whole proliferation of all these expensive sports club, you know, club or travel sports and it's across the whole spectrum of every sport you can think of. If it is kind of a result of how we have completely shifted away from allowing our kids to just go outside and play all day long. And what they do as an alternative is they sit inside and play video games. And maybe it's as a society, it's, it's been like, well, we got to, even if it costs a fortune, we got to do something so that they're active. They're with other kids uh, in person. They have teammates, whatever it is. That's maybe a theory that's probably wrong, but um, I don't know. But it's not only that, dude. Then it's like they have to have new equipment. They have to have new sticks. They have to have new skates. Like how is play it again even in business anymore? Like I don't yeah. think – like the, the, the days of like hand-me-downs doesn't exist anymore, man. I wonder how much of that, though, is is the bubble that we live in. Here, a lot of right? it, probably. You know, I think that's there's an element of you know keeping up with the Jones, Joneses, for lack of a better word, that obviously impacts kids too and what they want um, as it relates to, and not just equipment for sports, but like the shoes they wear to school or the backpack they carry or you know the car they eventually drive. Like that, that they're not immune to that you know, I'll say like societal or or kind of peer pressure to look and feel and dress or whatever a certain way. Um, And I think that's, 
you know, we happen to live in a fairly, you know, affluent area. Like, I think that's that's more localized. Not to say it's not other places. Of course it is. But I don't know that that's like the masses. I would probably argue and say it is the masses. Even if you don't have the means of this area, the, the, the disease of spending more than we should on our children, I think it probably exists at, at all levels. Yeah, but I think like that's maybe the point of this article, right? And and they went into like some of the fundamental stuff that they have to have, right? A health, a hopefully healthy physical body and insurance and estate plans and things like that, the financial elements of it. But like, I don't know how many parents know what is what they should, right? Like that's, that's maybe the point. Like how, what, where do we draw the line? Is it exclusively so we can have amassed X amount of dollars in the bank account and we be able to retire and our kids are just figuring it out? Like, doesn't there have to be some middle ground between maybe everything they want and the alternative, which is exclusively for mom and dad? I mean, when I read the article, I was thinking, look, you got to take care of yourself first. Yeah. I mean, you, you shouldn't be sacrificing your... Physical, mental. Obviously, your physical, mental health. And I would even say, like, your long-term financial plan so that your kids can, like, be involved in every activity on the planet. Obviously, like, we want to get our kids involved in stuff, but you, sh you shouldn't do that at the detriment of your financial plan. And we have seen, I have personally seen clients that, like, kind of don't have enough money because they put their kids through private school. Yeah. Oh, we uh, see it all you know, the time. Like, and 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 I, th my kids didn't have to pay a dime for college. Great, you don't have enough money. Now they also say, so here's the other side of the argument: our kids are doing better than us. They make more money than us. But again, I don't know. Does that mean that that they're that your kids are going to be financially okay just because they make more money than you? I don't know about that either. Yeah. So I just I find that that road, even when it comes to the education, to be not the road to go. Like, do not make your don't jeopardize your financial plan so that your kid can come out with no debt out of college or so that your kids can go to private school i don't think that's the right avenue at all i think you need to focus on your financial health first and then as much as you can on the kids and that's probably not a popular statement i think theoretically people would probably agree i just don't think it happens in practice yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you, uh, but th there's just more, there's always more to it than just a black or white analysis of like, should we send our kids to private yeah. school versus should we, you know, shore up our own and, and then, okay, what's the consequences of that? Maybe you feel really strongly about the alternative to the education that they're now not getting and how that's going to impact their future. I don't know. I mean, I could, cause I, cause I've been there and, and it's, it's. It's a difficult thing. Um, you know, we made the decision to do it. <laughs> to the, to, certainly to the detriment of my <laughs> family. But, um, but just back to the activity thing for a second. Like I, I, you said something that I totally agree with. Like, um, there's one school of thought that says, even if your kid is kicking and screaming and doesn't want to do this sport or that activity, make them do it. Because it's going to be... It, it, they'll come around or it's worth it or whatever it is. And we had that with, we had that situation with our youngest who really didn't want to do anything. And we, we still debate like, should we have, should we have, should we have? And 
you know, I think the I think the answer is is no. We shouldn't have because that that's just that's going to end badly for everybody. I think it could. Or, or some could. kids can come around from that, but some yeah. kids won't. And I mean, there is no like secret recipe. There's no like yeah. secret way, like ob- absolute way to do it. But I think there's a lot of factors. Like, do you do you and your wife really want to go through that headache? Like, if our kid really doesn't want to do it, I mean, that means we got to put a lot of time and effort and money into like making him or her do it. And like with an unknown result, they may nine times out of 10 probably hate us for it. Or that like one time they may be like, oh my God, my parents, they forced me to do it. And look at that. I made it to D1. Like, great. Who gives a shit? Yeah. And then we all know the stories of like, finally there's like scholarship money involved and the kid plays a sport at a, at a good school. And then a year later he's, he or she's out. They're burnt out. out. Yeah. I'm out. I, I, I'm not doing this anymore. And now it's like, if you do the math on it, you're like, oh, that was, that was a bad trade. All yeah. The, all the tens of thousands of dollars that we spent getting Johnny there is, was not worth it in the end. Yeah. Uh, I would argue there's probably cases where the kid finishes four years and the math still might not oh, yeah. <laughs> work yeah. out. Um and then, the, and then the other argument to that is that, well, the experience part of it, the, the yeah. non-financial part of it, the yeah. friends that they made, the team, the, the like that was worth something and it was. So, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, there's obviously not a simple formulaic answer to this. Um, I think we all probably agree that your financial plan is being in a place where you and your spouse or partner are comfortable and confident will ultimately benefit the kids at some point, right? Like that, that's good for the two of you. It's good for the, the family. Um, but like before you get there, there's just a million decisions, a million this or that compromises that you're forced to, to consider or make. And I'm sure nobody gets it right a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. So you, you know, they do the, you know, inflation of, you know, education, inflation of everything, every item there is. I'd love to see the inflation in sports. Oh, my God. You know, hockey, volleyball, gymnastics. It doesn't matter which which one it is. They are equally outrageous in their own right in terms of how yeah. much they cost and how much they skyrocket every year. Um, I'm blown away by what some of these things mm-hmm. cost. Hockey blows my mind. I mean, hockey, I was obviously involved in. So it is. Hockey yeah. blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. Like my cousin's kid playing AAA. So I went to I've I've been to games, my my son kind of playing AAA now like they're they're double A team but they play AAA, but like I look at all of these kids, none of them are playing, like next level, and they're like like the junior flyers like they go to different states like every weekend, hotels flights, ten thousand dollars to play like that's insan it's insanity, it's insanity to me. All right. <laughs> Let's do the top five. I think we have enough of that. Okay. So top five first names that mean something else. You want me to go first? Sure. I have one that's on the fence. And I'm not sure if it's like um, like Karen. Oh, I because that. Does that count or no? Because I have a backup if it doesn't. Yeah, I, I thought of it. I didn't use it because I didn't think. It would I count. just think it's more of a trend. Yeah. Okay. Like it's not a word that actually means another thing. Okay. Um, we had one today in Octortal. Frank. I had Frank on my list. You had Frank on your list? Yeah. Sonny. Mm-hmm. 
Rain. Okay. I know a few rains. You know a few <laughs> rains. Few Bullshit. I know a few rains. A few. You do not. Ginger. <laughs> oh, ginger's a good one. All right, I gotta go through my <laughs> list here. I got um, Brad. What's a type of nail? Like a small nail. Like oh. Brad. What? Oh, okay. You googled that. You don't know what a Brad is? No. I know a few Brads. If you guys <laughs> yeah, want to argue Brad, that? Like a little, little tiny nail. That you, like, Never heard it before. Ever. Like a picture frame. <laughs> I've got uh, Skip. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that. I've got Tucker. Tucker. What was it? Well, dog names yeah. down to? <laughs> well, there's Tucker Carlson. Carlson and, yeah, you know, what's such, Tucker? Like I'm tuckered out. And I'm tired. Oh yeah. my god, I'm tuckered out. Oh my god. <laughs> um, I've got Spike. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my last one is uh, Woody. <laughs> a lot of uh, Wait, Toy Story in there. <laughs> I have a question. I know a few Woodies. Tuckered out. Tuckered. Or give me the give me the the other name of Tucker. I'm gonna tucker you out by making you run this. Uh, <laughs> Wait, are you I saying because out. it's not the same tense? Yeah. Oh my no, god! No, I mean, is it like stop? Like you, because you wouldn't say I'm I'm I'm, I'm tucker. tuck tucked out. <laughs> I'm tuck- or I'm tuck, Tucker out. You know, it counts because this, right, this yeah. category is I was just questioning nuts. it. <laughs> um, Leo, which is also a Zodiac sign. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you good. mean? What's that look? No, that works. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I didn't know if this one would count. Theodore, but like Teddy. Yeah, because people go by Teddy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Teddy counts. bear. Mason. Oh, good one. Good one. Uh, Christian. Ah, uh-huh. interesting. And then Jameson. It's <laughs> a good one too. Jameson, yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. How many people you know down at Dean's are the first name Jameson? Not many, but they go by Jameson for other reasons. <clears throat> was that five? One, two, three, four. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. I thought that was a good top five. It was better than I thought it was going to be. When I was coming <laughs> up with this, I was like, <laughs> "All right, we good?" Yep. yep. Thanks for listening. Thanks for See listening. Ya.